Hello and welcome to ZF1 Amateur Podcast, hosted by me, Humura Ruth. I hope you're doing well. I hope life is going just as well as you'd like it to. But if for one reason or another it is not, I always say take it to the Lord Jehovah in prayer and hopefully some Formula One will cheer you up. Welcome to this podcast channel, which is all about Formula One. In fact, we've been up and running since late 2020. So if you ever missed a race from late 2020, 2021, 2022, um, this year in 2023, you most definitely will be able to find it on this podcast channel. Thank you so much for joining us once again and uh, welcome to today's episode which is about the 12th race of the season that we had this year in Hungary. Yes, it's about the Hungarian Grand Prix or as it is officially known, which is quite a mouthful by the way, but it is officially known as the Formula One Qatar Airways Hungarian Grand Prix 2023. Now, the last time we went racing was in the UK. Before that, we were in Austria, Canada, Spain, Monaco. We were supposed to be in Imola, but that was cancelled. Miami, Baku, Australia, Saudi Arabia, and Bahrain. But now, just over the weekend, by the time you listen to this, the race would have been um, completed. So, I'm going to use past tense. But now the race happened in Hungary at the Hungara Ring. Now, first things first, it, uh, the Grand Prix weekend started from the 21st of July to the 23rd of July this year. So, 21st of July, you had the two practice sessions, FP1 in the morning, FP2 in the evening. Then, on the 22nd of July, you had FP3 in the morning and then qualifying later on in the evening. And then the race at 4 p.m. on Sunday, the 23rd of July. Now, if you're a Formula 1 expert, please bear with me. Sometimes I explain some of the most basic things in Formula 1 because as some people are trying to learn the sport, so I try to make it as easier for them as possible. So that's the format for Formula 1 Grand Prix weekend. And the reason you have practice sessions is because uh, sometimes the tracks have been altered, they've been modified. So when teams come here during the practice sessions, they're able to analyze the data, understand how the car performs on this track. You know, drivers are able to acquaint themselves with the new track. Rookie drivers are able to, you know, learn the track. You're able to understand how the tires are reacting to the track and so much more. So the practice sessions help teams prepare for the race on Sunday. Then the qualifying session helps to determine how the grid is lined up on Sunday because the grid in F1, Formula 1, is not built wide enough to accommodate all 20 cars starting on the same line. So instead, instead you have some cars starting at the front, others in the middle, and others at the back. So the qualifying session helps you determine who starts in the front, who starts in the middle, and who starts at the back. All right, I think that's a pretty good introduction to Formula One. If you're new to the podcast, I always love doing that because I just want you to fall in love with the sport as much as I am in love with it. All right, so we were in Hungary for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, uh, I love the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's been on the calendar for quite a while. It's been on for 38 years, I believe. So the first Grand Prix held here was in 1986. So that means we've been having it for 38 times, I think. And uh, Williams was dominating back then because their driver, Nelson Piquet, won the race in a Williams Honda. Aiton Senna, oh my God, imagine having been there to watch that. He came second in a Lotus Renault and in third place was Nigel Mansell in a Williams Honda as well. So, oh, that would have been amazing. I, I wasn't there at the time, but yeah, that would have been amazing. 
Now, I love the Hungarian Grand Prix because I love Hungary, I guess. And uh, I also love the Hungara Ring, which is the circuit where we go racing in Hungary. Now, the Hungara Ring is home to the Hungarian Grand Prix, the TCR World Tour, and the International GT Open. But that's not all. This circuit has a lot of motorsports history because it was once home to the Grand Prix Motorcycle Racing, the Hungarian Motorcycle Grand Prix, four hours of Hungaroring, the European Track Racing Championship, the FIAWTCR Race of Hungary, the GT World Challenge, DTM, World SBK, and I believe FIA GT. So, Hungary really, really does love motorsports. They really do love their motorsport. Now, this circuit has the third lowest average speed of all Grand Prix circuits because of how tight and twisty it is. In fact, some people compare it to Monaco, which means it's hard to overtake in Hungary or at the Hungara Ring because of that. Uh, drivers can attain speeds of up to 200 kilometers per hour, which is still fast because normally you wouldn't drive that fast. But compared to other circuits like Monza, where you can go over 250 kilometers per hour, that's relatively, you know, lower average speeds for drivers in Hungary. But nevertheless, it's always exciting to watch races here. I think one race that you would uh, remember, I think, would be the Hungarian Grand Prix 2014 when Daniel Ricciardo won the race. I think that was it. That was exciting um also 2003 if you're watching formula one that early on but in 2003 that's when fernando alonso won his first race in formula one it was at the hungarian grand prix so that you know hungary really does have that motorsports history that makes one really really um fall in love with it and they always say that teams that can do well in monaco usually do well in hungary so this year you'd have expected red bull because red bull has been dominating and Literally almost all the races. This year in Monaco, it was Max that won. Alonso came second. Oh my God, Alonso came second this year at Monaco. And Ocon came third. So you'd have expected this year for... You will expect Red Bull to probably do well on this circuit this year. Because it's uh, tough. I don't think it's that uh, tough because Lewis has won here more eight times which is more than any other driver has done on this track but then red bull really really does get it so lewis is the driver who has won here he has won eight times here the constructors team that has won the most here is mclaren they have won 11 times and now speaking of constructors and the constructors standings it is red bull leading with the whooping 411 points mercedes is behind with half that 203 points aston martin is third with 181 points which i have to say is impressive i'm sure lawrence Stroll is very pleased and ferrari is fourth with 157 points when it comes to drivers the top four drivers are max who's leading with 255 points perez who's second with 156 points Alonso, who's third with 137 points, and Lewis in fourth with 121 points. Now, I just have to say this. I find this quite interesting that Sergio Perez will be second in the driver's standings behind Max Verstappen. 
But at the same time, it would feel as though his seat could be threatened by, you know, another driver being able to replace him. At least when we were in the UK for the past previous races from the UK and the races before that, you know, it felt like any time Perez could, you know, be replaced because of how he was performing, especially in the qualifying. The qualifying sessions were not his friend at all. He was messing them up left, right and center from Monaco, Spain, wherever we were going. It just was not working out for him. But um, ironically, he's second in the draft and standings. And so you'd have thought, oh, my God, you know, he's safe, but not with Red Bull. Because remember, also during the season, there was a time Daniel Ricciardo was reserve driver for Red Bull. So and Daniel was very eager about, you know, wanting to get back into that Red Bull and taking that seat. And he was very <laughs> I don't know whether he was vocal about it, but for me, it felt like he was vocal about it. And so I know Paris could have been, you know, on edge because the way Red Bull does its thing, I don't get it. Because this is also news here. Nick DeVries has been, I was going to say kicked out, but he has lost his seat at Alpha Tari to Daniel Ricciardo. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. The man only had 10 races. Nick DeVries has only done 10 races in Formula One. And he's lost his seat to Daniel Ricciardo. You know, I do not hate Daniel Ricciardo. I love Daniel Ricciardo, but I just do not think that was fair. It was not fair at all. For, to give it to someone, yes, I know Daniel has won, what, eight Grand Prix? Eight Grand Prix? But, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I just don't like that that the Red Bull thing. I mean, Nick De Vries was even coming so close to doing his own home race in the Netherlands, so close to go racing at Zandervoort, and then he loses his seat. This guy is not an average driver. He's won the F2 title. He's won a title in Formula E. He's been consistent in Formula E, and he does well in other motor racing series. Like, give him time. Give him time to grow. Like, you're giving time to Daniel Ricciardo. And honestly, I'm just going to say it. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to jinx myself, but I really don't know if Daniel Ricciardo is still up there. I'm not saying he has lost it, but I'm just very hurt that Nick DeVries lost his seat. Daniel Ricciardo was doing well at Red Bull. If he was doing so, so well at Red Bull, why did he leave? He was just threatened by Max Verstappen and then he ran to Renault. And, you know, he started, you know, giving results at Renault they literally changed a lot of things to suit Daniel Ricciardo at Renault and then he left Renault and you know their team you know suffered and then he moved to McLaren and just everything went sideways he just could not perform at all and he was being outperformed by you know McLaren which is so interesting it just reminds me of <laughs> being careful of you know how you 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 let go of like let me say your past your past i'm trying to say be careful of like how you exit your your jobs or your what because when um daniel ricardo left renault it wasn't it did not come off very peaceful for me for me at least from my perspective because they literally changed so much in the team to suit Daniel Ricciardo. And they were willing to go above and beyond just to see Daniel Ricciardo, you know, happy. I mean, he brought them their first podium. They had last but no podium, I think, in 2009. He brought them a podium. You know, he was, you know, doing well. And then while they were trying to, you know, continue adjusting for him, he left and went to McLaren. But life is so funny because 
while he was in McLaren, he wasn't performing the way you would have expected the Honey Badger to perform. And, you know, things weren't going the way he wanted them to go as well. And it was very disappointing for himself and for the fans and for McLaren. So the relationship with McLaren had to end. And while, you know, it was coming to the end of the relationship with McLaren prematurely, um, he was also thinking of options of whether to go back to Renault, which at the time, which, you know, today we know as Alpine. But it was so funny because Alpine were not even going to consider him at all because of what he had done. And that just, you know, that's something that I know in life. I know this is the Formula One podcast, but you have to be careful how you let go of like uh, your your current job or your relationships. Just be careful because you never know in the future when you need them. And that's the thing that I also saw with Oscar Piastri. Sorry to say, Oscar Piastri replaced Daniel Ricciardo at McLaren. And interestingly, they're both Australian as well. Oscar Piastri, the way he ended his relationship with our, with Alpine was not good at all. And when all that stuff went down, I was like, maybe in five years, four years time, he may need Alpine's help and they're not going to come to help him. Because just a little bit about the backstory with uh, Oscar Piastri. Oscar Piastri was, you know, was being sponsored by Alpine in his lower levels of racing, I think. I stand to be corrected on that one. And then at the start of 2023, they announced him as their driver. And he publicly goes out on Twitter and is like, I am not driving for you guys. I mean, there are things you can say out to the public and then there are things you don't have to say out to the public. Like... you're you're not you're not like an everyday person you know chatting on twitter you know um giving clapbacks to whoever is coming at you you are you are a formula one driver like an elite sportsman and this is a team that has been backing you you don't go on twitter and just air out your views you can pick up the phone you can send an email but don't let the whole world you know just enjoy that and alpine was embarrassed i remember they were embarrassed it looked embarrassing at least from my perspective and you know things you know i think they went to court this and that and then he was being backed up by mclaren and so he's now at mclaren but in my head i'm like didn't you learn from your predecessor didn't you learn from daniel ricardo he left renault which also makes me think is there something wrong with those guys but he left renault moved to mclaren things went sideways and he wanted to go back at one point well yeah now right now he doesn't need to go back to renault but isn't that what they say? What goes around comes around. Like, be very careful. Right now, you're getting results, but every sportsman has a point in their career when things just flatline. Every sportsman. There comes a time when you're beaten. You know, Portugal lost to Morocco in the World Cup. They had Ronaldo. They had, you know, the, the elite players and all that. There comes a time in your career as a sportsperson when things go flat and you need the people who are there for you at the start or the people that you've worked with before to, you know, give you a push to get back to where you are. But anyway, I don't even know how we got to that. But let's go back to where we are at, at the Hungarian Grand Prix. I just have to say Nick DeVries was replaced by Daniel Ricciardo in Red Bull. Which I don't understand. Red Bull is so competitive. I don't even get it. The guy had just done 10 races. He's a good driver. He's won races. We've seen him. The first time he debuted in F1, he did really well. He has gotten points before. Why kick him out? They did that thing to Pierre Gasly. And I know it's one of the worst things that has ever happened to him in life. I just think so. I don't know for sure. But anyway, back to uh, Hungary. Uh, we're racing at the Hangaro Ring, which is the name of the circuit. The circuit has a length of 4.381 kilometers. That's about 2.722 miles. Drivers do 70 laps and uh, they cover a race distance of about 306.63 kilometers. That's about 190.53 miles if you prefer to count in miles. 
the circuit has 14 turns and it's uh, it's one of my favorite circuits i don't know if i can say that enough last year it was max pushed up and the won the race lewis came second russell finished third third sorry signs finished fourth and perez finished in fifth place all right i've talked too much let's take a short break when we return we'll get into the qualifying for the hungarian grand prix <laughs> Okay, sorry for interrupting the show, but you probably love motorsport because you're listening to my podcast and I'm grateful for that. So if you love Formula E motorsport, the motorsport series, why not listen to my newest Formula E podcast called Z Formula E podcast? It's all about motorsport. I bring you the latest races in motorsport, the drivers, what happens in the tracks and off the tracks, and why Formula E is a newer sport you should be interested in. So just look for Z Formula E podcast on your favorite podcasting platform or Google Z Formula E podcast and you'll be sure to listen in. And then, aside from that, yes, I'm a woman of many talents and many passions. I also have a podcast dedicated to the beauty of Uganda. As you know, I am from Uganda. I'm from Kampala, Uganda. And I love to share the beauty of Uganda with the rest of the world, which is why I started my other podcast called The Humura Show. So if you'd be interested in that, just look for The Humura Show on your favorite podcasting platform or Google The Humura Show. All right, let's go back to Formula One welcome back from that short break now let's quickly go through what happened during the practice sessions and then the qualifying itself now in fp1 we saw sergio perez running wide at turn five then losing control of his car and then hitting the tire wall so that brought out the red flag because the rb19 had to be cleared off the track we also saw a little bit of drizzle on the track and because of that, Valtteri Bottas lead on the track. The same thing happened to Oscar Piastri as well. And then we saw Carlos Sainz Jr. going off at the exit of turn three and beaching his car. At the end of FP1, George Russell had the fastest lap times. Oscar Piastri was second and Lance Stroll was third. In FP2, we saw Joe Guan Yu running wide into turn four. And later on, he rode the cups as well. And again, we saw Sergio Perez locking up this time at turn one at the end of the session it was i beg your pardon it was charles leclerc lando norris and pierre gasly that were the fastest three drivers in fp3 we saw max verstappen losing his rear at turn two and we saw him struggling a little bit we also saw charles leclerc running wide at turn seven at the end of the session lewis hamilton max verstappen sergio perez and impressively, Nicole Hulkenberg were the top four drivers at the end of the session. Now let's move to qualifying, shall we? If you're new to the sport, you understand why Formula 1 has qualifying. I explained that earlier. You can't have all 20 cars starting on the same line. So to determine who starts at the front, who starts in the middle and who starts at the back, you have a qualifying session. Now the session lasts for an hour and it is split into three quarters with intervals in between. You have Q1, which lasts for 18 minutes. And so in Q1, you have 20 drivers go out onto the track, not to race, but they go out to set out the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. At the end of the session, the five slowest drivers are eliminated from further qualifying and they occupy grid places from P20 to P16. Then you have an interval. Then you come back for Q2, which lasts for 
okay, if Q1 lasts for 18 minutes, then Q2 would last for 15 minutes. I stand to be corrected on these times. But in those 15 minutes, you have 15 drivers because five were eliminated. 15 drivers go out onto the track, try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set. And at the end of the session, the five slowest drivers are eliminated from proceeding to Q3. So the five slowest drivers occupy grid places P15 to P11 on the grid come race day on Sunday. Then you have an interval, then you come back for Q3 where you have top 10, the top 10 drivers, you know, go out for a shootout. So they try to set the fastest lap times that they could possibly set in 12 minutes. At the end of the session, the fastest driver overall takes pole position, which is P1. Second fastest takes second, third fastest takes third, and so on and so forth. That is how it works. Now, over this weekend, Pirelli changed things up a bit in qualifying with the alternative tyre allocation. Now, this was supposed to happen at the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix, I believe, in Imola. But because we don't have the race at Imola, that did not happen. So, this is what happened in qualifying. In Q1, drivers were mandated to use the hard tyres. In Q2, drivers were mandated to use the medium tyres. In Q3, drivers were mandated to use the soft tyres. And also, unlike other qualifying sessions, or unlike, yes, unlike other qualifying sessions, if drivers came to the pit for new tyres, they were supposed to get the same tyre compound that they were on and not anything new. Also, for the weekend, Pirelli allocated 11 sets of tyres across the weekend and not the usual 13 sets of tyres that we normally see. All right, let's get into Q1, just a quick summary of everything. In Q1, we saw the Alpine drivers being the first drivers out on track. They were followed by Carlos Sainz Jr. We saw Daniel Ricciardo and Yuki Tsunoda coming out on used tyres. I think their tyres were eight laps old. I think that was from practice. And then we saw Kevin Magnussen having his lap times deleted for exceeding track limits at turn five. Track limits is when all four tyres of your car are off a Formula One racing track and that gives you an advantage. And then with 11 minutes left in the cork, impressively, we saw Valtteri Bottas take provisional pole. I love that moment. Then with 10 minutes left in the clock, we saw Oscar Piastri having his lap times deleted. The same thing happened to Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. Then with six minutes left in the clock, we saw Max Verstappen beating Valtteri Bottas' time. And then two minutes later, we saw Joe Guanyu beating Max's time. At the end of the session, it was Alex Albon, Yuki Tsunoda, George Russell, Kevin Magnussen and Logan Sargent that were eliminated from moving on to Q2. In Q2, Valtteri Bottas and Lance Stroll were noted by the stewards for impeding in Q1. And then we also saw Max Verstappen's lap times deleted for track limits at turn 5. And later on, the same thing happened to Pierre Gasly as well. At the end of the session, Carlos Sainz Jr., Esteban Ocon, Daniel Ricciardo, Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly were eliminated from the qualifying session. In Q3, we saw Sergio Perez as the first driver out on track. He was followed by Fernando Alonso and Lando Norris. We saw Joe Guanyu have his lap times deleted. We saw at one point Charles Leclerc going purple in sector one and then Max in sector two. And impressively, at the end of it all, Lewis Hamilton grabbed pole position by three thousands of a second. So it's been 34 races. That's about more than 18 months since Lewis grabbed pole position. The last time he grabbed pole position was in 2021 
in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. So here are your qualifying results for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis qualified on pole, Max qualified second, Lando qualified third, Oscar Piastri qualified fourth ahead of Joe Guanyu in fifth, Leclerc in sixth, Valtteri Bottas in seventh, Fernando Alonso in eighth, Sergio Perez in ninth, and Nico Hulkenberg in tenth place. In 11th place was Carlos Sainz Jr., Esteban Ocon was 12th, Daniel Ricciardo was 13th, Lance Stroll was 14th, Pierre Gasly was 15th, Alex Albon was 16th, Yuki Tsunoda was 17th, George Russell was 18th, Kevin Magnussen was 19th, and Logan Sargent was 20th. Alright, welcome back from that short break. Now let's get into the race itself. Now we do 70 laps in Hungary and I'm not going to go through each and every lap because then the podcast would be super long. So I'm just going to pick out a few things that happened uh, to, on different laps and then share them with you. So you also have to remember it was a pretty hot race. Anyway, Hungary, is, we usually go racing in Hungary when it's hot. So the track temperatures were up to 50 degrees. So that was really really hot at least in my opinion I, f- I feel like that was very hot and uh, we saw Lewis was on pole remember Max Verstappen was by his side in second place when it comes to the tires the top eight drivers were on medium tires and then Perez in ninth was on hard tires and then Nico Hulkenberg in 10th place was on the medium tires I believe and then Sainz in 11th was on soft tires and then you know it there was a mix-up towards uh, the back of the grid I also have to say, Ken, oh no, I just called him Ken. Nico Hakenberg had blonde hair and he looked like a Ken. You know, Barbie, the Barbie movie has been trending. So that was interesting to see him with, uh, I was going to say Barbie hair. Ken, the blonde, the Ken hair. People were saying he was, what is he called? Um, charming his Kenergy or something like that. He was blonde. It was quite interesting. Anyway, let's get into the race. On lap one, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton went at it wheel to wheel. Now, I don't understand whether it was Lewis's reaction time that just caused whatever happened, but they went at it wheel to wheel, and eventually Lewis lost out to Max Verstappen at turn one because Max had the inside line. So I think maybe Lewis reacted slowly or late because he just lost the lead like that. And it wasn't just losing the lead to Max Verstappen. The two McLarens also went past him, so he dropped down to fourth place on the first lap. Before he even hit, I don't know, tons of six and seven and eight and the others, he was just dropping backwards and it didn't make sense. So that happened. We also saw an improvement. This one was quite impressive. Carlos Sainz, who started in 11th place, was up into sixth place by the first lap. Now, on lap two, it was Max in first place, Oscar Piastri, the rookie driver, in second place. That was impressive. Lando Norris in third, Lewis in fourth, Leclerc in fifth, Sainz in sixth, Alonso in seventh, Perez in eighth, Nico Hulkenberg in ninth, and Lance Stroll in tenth place. Now, whatever upgrades McLaren has brought onto their cars, they are really, really good. In fact, I saw a, a meme, I don't know whether you call it a meme, or some sort of clip in social media, and, you know, people were like, Toto Wolf must be wondering, what on earth is McLaren doing? I mean, we supply them with the engine, what else are they doing that we're not doing? But 
McLaren has just woo, blown us out of the water. And that's the thing. You know, at the start of the season, it was Fernando Alonso. You know, he came in full force. You know, the first race, he finished third. Second race, he finished third. You know, third race, he finished third. In Miami, he was third. You know, in Monaco, he was second. In Canada, he was, you know, second. And there was this thing of like, you know, oh my God, Aston Martin has come for us. Or has come for, you know, whichever, whichever team you support. But somehow, these past few races, they have now started dropping back. And I don't understand why. And now we're seeing McLaren picking up. And they're really, really ahead of the field, which is quite interesting. And then when it comes to Ferrari, I don't understand what happens at Ferrari, really. But one thing that they do, they've managed to somehow get right is keeping the cars, cars so close to each other. In most of the races now like you see in this one and we're going to see it throughout the races we go um through it Leclerc was fifth signs was sixth they're always so close to each other at least they get that right but they never really finish higher up the you know like on the podium places the winning races is hard it's Ferrari you're supposed to be winning races that is very expected of you but it just doesn't work. And I think it's something to do with, you know, the strategies that they choose and what. Uh, there was rumors on social media. I don't know whether those are true. But there was rumors, you know, okay, Charles Leclerc may be having, you know, disagreements with the team at Ferrari. And in this race, by the way, he came on the radio and he was really, really angry at, you know, the Ferrari um, engineers or something for the strategies. One of the strategies that they deployed. And... It's just not good at the moment. And there were also rumors that Carlos Sainz was going to be replaced, I think, by Alex Albon at Ferrari. And I am not for that at all. I know Alex Albon can drive. I've seen him drive really well in a Red Bull. But Carlos Sainz, he's really good. He just needs time. And I also think it's more than now that drivers themselves, it's the team itself entirely. You know, Ferrari as a team, there needs to be some sort of organization. I know Frederick Vazor has just entered everything and, you know, I'm pretty sure he's trying to be, you know, uh, to change things up here and there. I think from what Mattia Benetto was doing. But, oh my God, I don't get what happens at Ferrari. I, you know, it's one of those teams like back in the day, people would be like, I want to drive for Ferrari. I know someone would say like, I want to drive for Ferrari right now. But they would say that because of, you know, the history that comes with racing at Ferrari. But like literally right now, when it comes to what they're able to do on track, it's not what would make you feel appealed or drawn towards ferrari anyway so on lap two we also saw something very unfortunate this time with the alpine team so what happened was i think joe guanyu hit the back of yuki Tsunoda, who was in front of him and yuki Tsunoda naturally bumped into both alpines that were in front of him so it was the alpine of esteban ocon and pierre gasly pierre gasly and esteban ocon were side by side with each other at the start of the race and you know when Joguan you hit Yuki Tsunoda, Yuki Tsunoda bumped into the both Alpines and they ended up, you know, really, really having contact with each other. And so they really, really suffered a lot of damage. In fact, on lap two, Pierre Gasly, who had started 15th, was now in the pits because he had damaged his rear and I think other parts of the car. And then on lap three, Esteban Ocon was called to the pits. Esteban Ocon started the race in 12th place, but by lap two, he had dropped to 20th after that um that contact while his teammate had dropped to 19th and i don't know if you know this but esteban ocon has won the hungarian grand prix before he won it i think either in 2021 or 2020 but yes so i'm sure he really did not like that at all
Anyway, lab three, we saw Max was up in setting the fastest lab. Then lab five, let's go to Alpha Tari. On lab five, we saw Daniel Ricardo had started in 13th place, was down in 18th place. I didn't understand why that was, but we'll go on and see. Then later on, not later on, but still on this particular lap, his teammate who had started in 17th place had moved up about six places and he was running in 11th place. That's a big difference. Anyway, lap seven, we still see the Ferraris running side by side. Charles Leclerc in fifth, Carlos Sainz in sixth. That's how they always do it. But you have to give credit where credit is due. Carlos started the race in 11th place. By lap seven, he was up into sixth. Charles Leclerc started the race in sixth place. By lap seven, he was up into only fifth place. Okay. Also, another impressive driver, we saw George Russell. He had started in 18th place. By lap seven, he was up into 13th place. On lap eight, we saw Sergio Perez in ninth, overtaking Fernando Alonso, who was eighth, which I don't understand what's happening at Aston Martin. I mean, I was so excited. You know, I, I like to be as objective as I can be when it comes to F1, but I was just so excited to see Alonso finishing up on the top spots on the grid. I was just excited for Aston Martin, but um, yeah, sometimes life does that to you. Anyway, we get to lap 9 and Joe Guanyu in 15th place is given a 5-second penalty for causing the collusion we talked about. Now on lap 11, we saw Lewis come on radio and talk about how he doesn't have pace to overtake the McLarens. And he also, you know, later on in the verse, he talked about he was wondering how or not are the McLarens able to be that fast. But the McLarens felt... I don't want to say this, but they feel like a new Mercedes. I mean, I know they do get their engine from Mercedes, right? But boy, were the McLarens so fast. If they can continue with this um, trend and even get better upgrades, they'll give Red Bull a hard time. Honestly, I'm just saying it. Because one, Hungary is not a very easy circuit, like you would assume. It's like Monaco. If you can be able to do it in Monaco or Jeddah, oh my God, you're really good. Unless you just don't enjoy racing on straights. But McLaren was really, really dominant on this circuit. And woo, whatever they did, it was good. And I know all the teams are wondering, what on earth is going on with the McLarens? But they were really fast and Lewis was constantly surprised by it and he kept um, retaliating that on radio. Now on lap 13, we saw Valtteri Bottas in 15th place setting the fastest lap. Let me just say something about, about Valtteri. I love Valtteri Bottas. I love every Formula 1 driver, but I really, really love Valtteri Bottas. I mean, I enjoyed seeing him at Mercedes. Fine, at Mercedes, we didn't get certain opportunities like, you know, leading, you know, there was always the fast driver. It's not a secret. I mean, Mercedes people will say, no, 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 all drivers were equal. But every team always has a driver that they favor over the other. And it could come down to, you know, who's performing better or just, I don't know, the history of the team and that's all. But at Mercedes, I really enjoyed Valtteri Bottas. He really, really supported Lewis and, you know, he'd win a few races here and there. But ever since he left Mercedes, it hasn't been as beautiful as before. And I feel like it's going to turn into one of the stories where probably like in 2024, we may not see him on the grid. It's not a rumor. I'm just thinking it out loud because, oh, I don't know. There's always younger drivers who are coming on the scene. There's people in F2 who want to race and, you know, he's an older driver. And if you, you know, you're not amusing everyone or, you know, leaving people in awe then you're probably going to lose your seat. That's just my opinion. And if it's very easy to forget you on the grid, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really bad. 
it's easy for you to lose your seat. But I really, really love Valtteri Bottas. I love when he he won the race in Russia. Oh, I loved that. Anyway, no sooner had he set the fastest lap than his teammate Joe Guanyu in 18th place also set the fastest lap. But that was because they had pitted for new tires. It wasn't entirely because of that. They also had the skill. But yeah, that's what happened. Then on lap 16, that's three laps later, we saw Carlos Sainz in 6th place pitting and coming out of a pit in 11th place on hard tyres. At that point, Charles Leclerc was still running in 5th on the medium tyres. Then the next lap on lap 17, we saw Lewis Hamilton pitting. He was running in 4th place. He pitted, got the hard tyres and came out in 8th place ahead of Daniel Ricciardo, who was now in ninth place and still on the medium tyres he had started with. So remember, I think it was in lap 5 when we talked about Daniel being down in 18th. He had made up, I think, 9 places by lap 17. So that was fairly impressive. Well, it was impressive, not fairly. It was impressive. Although I am still hurt by the fact that Nick DeVries left. Oh, it really, really um, did not sit well with me. Anyway, we get to lap 18 and we see Landon Norris in 3rd place. Pitting for the hard tires. He, come he comes out of the pit, sorry, in 5th place. We saw Charles Leclerc in 5th place pitting for hard tyres and when he came out he was running in 11th place. He had a slow pit stop unfortunately and um, things happen again. Ferrari, it's just a whole team thing. Anyway, we get to lap 19. We see Oscar Piastri in 2nd place pitting for hard tyres and he comes out in 5th behind Landoner is in 4th. But to be honest, Oscar Piastri came out of the pit slightly ahead of Lando Norris, but Lando Norris beat him to the inside line and Lando had had warmer tires, so he obviously was able to go ahead of him naturally. We get to lap 20. Lewis in 7th place is still puzzled as to how the McLarens can be that fast. I am telling you the McLarens were really, really fast. Whatever they did, I love it. I love it for them. I pray that one day Haas may get that opportunity as well. So we also saw his teammate George Russell ahead of them in 6th place. And we saw the Ferraris again side by side. This time Sainz was in 8th, Leclerc was in ninth. Like wherever they'll be on the grid, whether it's in 12th, whether it's, you know, in the lower quarter of the grid, the middle part of the grid, the top part of the grid, they'll always be close to each other. I don't know if that's an entirely good thing or a bad thing, but it is a safe thing for a driver to do. Because you're supposed to beat your teammate. So if you're not beating him, at least be very, very close to him. So we get to lap 21 and we see Fernando Alonso in fourth place pitting. He got rid of the mediums and when he came out on the track, he was running in 11th place behind Valtteri Bottas. His teammate Lance Stroll was up in ninth place. Again, I don't know whether Aston Martin, or maybe I'll just give it to them. Maybe it's the circuit, you know, it's Hungary. It has a lot of twists and turns. Let's see what happens when we go to Spa, because we're going to Spa next. I love Spa, but the circuit is really long. It's seven thousand kilometers i think whereas in hungary the circuit is about three thousand kilometers that's a big big difference which possibly means that spa has more straights compared to hungary so if your car works really well with the straights you may have a bigger advantage in spa as opposed to like let me say monaco Jeddah, or hungary so i can't wait for that anyway the next lap on lap 22, we saw Lando Norris hitting the fastest lap. That was impressive. He was in third place. And his teammate was right behind him in fourth place. Again, the McLaren source was really good. Now, unfortunately, we saw Ricky, Daniel Ricciardo, sorry, back down in 18th place. That was not pleasant. 
And his teammate this time around was high above him in 13th place. That was Yuki Tsunoda. On lap 23, Max Verstappen pitted for hard tires. He came out in first place. His teammate was behind him in second place, Sergio Perez. Now, I love Sergio Perez. He's just... He's very impressive. He'll botch it in qualifying and then make up for it in the race. I don't know whether that's good enough for Christian Horner and Helmut Marko in the whole Red Bull system. But he's one person who botched it in qualifying, botched it in practice, and then he'll make up for it in the race. So I don't know because I'm pretty sure they're a little bit like discombobulated, you know, with how Perez performs. But he gives them the results because if you're at Red Bull, if you're not winning races, at least finish second. But even if you're finishing second, that's still, I think, not good enough for them. It's just normal. Valtteri Bottas used to finish quite close to Lewis, but then he lost his seat as well. So being a racing driver is actually hard. Anyway, and on this particular lap, it was quite interesting. I loved it. On the grid, we saw two Red Bulls leading two McLarens who were leading two Mercedes who were leading two Ferraris. So essentially, it was Max and Perez in first and second. Then in third and fourth was Lando and Oscar. Then in fourth and fifth was Russell and Lewis. Then in fifth and sixth was Sainz and Leclerc. So it was two teams by each other, which was, I loved seeing that. Just enjoyed seeing that. Anyway, two laps later, lap 25, Sergio Perez in second place. He pitted when he came out of the pit stops, pit stop, sorry. He was in seventh place and uh, he had gotten, I think, the medium tires because he started the race on hards, right? Yep. Then on lap 27, we saw Lando Norris in second place setting the fastest lap. We also saw Sandra Perez overtaking Carlos Sainz for sixth place. So he split the Ferraris. Sainz dropped to seventh. Then on lap 20, he didn't split the Ferraris, sorry. Sainz just dropped to seventh. Then on lap 28, we saw him, Sergio Perez, again overtaking another driver. This time he overtook George Russell for fifth place. So Russell dropped to sixth place on the grid. The following lap, George Russell pitted for medium tires and he came out in 13th place. Meanwhile, Daniel Ricciardo was still stuck in 18th place while his teammate had made up a place up into 12th. On lap 30, Daniel Ricciardo pitted. This time he got the medium tires and he came back on track. Lap 33, we saw Sergio Perez taking the fastest lap away from Lando Norris and by this particular moment he was running in 5th place. On lap 37, we saw Daniel Ricciardo just making one in one place improvement. So he was up into 17th as opposed to 18th because two drivers were out of the race. Remember, Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon. Then on lap 39, George Russell took away the fastest lap from Sergio Perez and he was running in ninth place. And speaking of George, uh, Sergio Perez, sorry, on lap 43, he tried to, he had been trying to overtake Lewis Hamilton for like three times for the past three laps. He had been trying to overtake him but he had failed so instead he pitted and when he came out of the pits he was running in seventh place so he just lost two places due to pitting we also saw oscar piastri was running in fourth place having a slow pit stop and perez didn't have a slow pit stop but oscar piastri had a slow pit stop and when he came out of the pits he was down in sixth place ahead of sergio perez which is dangerous because when uh, sergio perez can be really aggressive it's very entertaining to watch then we saw Lewis Hamilton managing to move to third place ahead of both Ferraris. Speaking of Ferraris, the following lap on lap 45, Charles Leclerc in fifth place, pitted, came out of a pits in eighth place. And then on lap 45, we saw another pit stop. This time it was Lando Norris in second place. He
he pitted and came out in third place behind Lewis. We saw signs also pitting and coming out in eighth place behind his teammate Charles Leclerc in seventh. Three laps later, we saw Lewis in second place pitting. We saw Russell in sixth place pitting and coming out in eighth. And uh, we saw Sergio Perez overtaking Oscar Piastri for fourth place. So Oscar Piastri dropped to fifth. We also saw Charles Leclerc being given a five-second penalty because he was speeding in the pit lane. I think you're supposed to reduce your speed in the pit lane to about 80 kilometers or less. I think I stand to be corrected on that one. So he probably was going a little bit faster than that. On lap 50, we saw Lewis in second place pitting and dropping down to fifth place when he returned to the grid. But he was ahead of Charles Leclerc in sixth. Then lap 52, we saw Max Verstappen pitting and coming out in first place. I mean, at this point, I don't think Max has really had done a lot of overtakes. Like, he's constantly starting at the front. If he qualifies second or third, he's just going to overtake two people and constantly be at the front. To the point where he can pit and if he wanted to, he could get out of the car, grab a drink, get back into the car and still come back on track in first place. Like, he's constantly ahead of other drivers. And he's a bullet. He's really, really fast. Anyway, on lap 54, he sets the fastest lap. So he takes it away from George Russell. Like I said, he's a bullet, literally. And now, good news for Alpha Tari. On this lap, we saw Daniel Ricciardo now up into 13th place. Unfortunately, his teammate Yuki Tsunoda was down into 16th place. Three laps later, we saw Lewis Hamilton overtake George Russell for 4th place. So... No, he didn't overtake George Russell, I'm sorry. He overtook Oscar Piastri for fourth place. So Oscar Piastri dropped down to fifth place. Then speaking of George Russell, a few laps later, I think eight laps later, on lap 65, I think, George Russell managed to split the Ferraris after he overtook Carlos Sainz. So it was now Leclerc in sixth place, Russell in seventh place, Sainz in eighth place. But remember, Charles Leclerc had a five-second penalty that he hadn't served yet. So... If Charles Leclerc had failed to build a gap bigger than five seconds between himself and George Russell, he would lose the place to George Russell. Now, four laps later, on lap 69, we saw Logan Sargent spinning on the track, but thank God he managed to go racing again. Otherwise, if it became a collision, would have a red flag and, you know, it would just be chaotic and, and, and uh, Max could, you know, possibly be affected by that because... When safety cars come out, it changes the whole thing in the race. It really changes the whole thing in the race. If you think it doesn't, watch Abu Dhabi 2021. Now, on lap 70, we saw Logan Sargent pitting and he retired from the race. He just couldn't finish. I also understood it. Honestly, if it was me, if I spun on track on lap 69 and I had to go to the pits to repair, I would not repair anything. I would just remain in the pits because you do 70 laps in hunger. What am I coming out for? To just finish on... Anyway, you just... If you don't want to end up as a DNF... You just come back and finish the race in whatever position you finish it in so that you do not have DNF against your name. Anyway, and uh, that brings us to the end of the race. So Red Bull managed to win their 12th race consec their 12th consecutive race this season, which means they managed to break the record that McLaren had been holding since 1988. Londoners finished second, impressively if you ask me. McLaren's did something really good. And Perez... Managed to secure the day, finishing in third place, just a second and a half ahead of Lewis Hamilton, who finished in fourth place. The rookie driver who really, really impressed us, Oscar Biastri, finished in fifth place. George Russell made up for his 
qualifying. He started in 18th and he finished 6th. That was impressive. Charles Leclerc finished in 7th and as you guessed it, Carlos Sainz finished behind him in 8th. It's a Ferrari thing. In 9th place was Fernando Alonso and in 10th place was his teammate Lance Stroll. Alex Albon, impressively, in a Williams, finished in 11th place, missing out on the points, just the point away. Valtteri Bottas finished in 12th. Daniel Ricciardo made up for a very hard race by finishing in 13th place. In 14th place, we saw Nico Hulkenberg. In 15th place was Yuki Tsunoda. In 16th place was the man who caused the collision at the start of the race, Joe Guanyu. In 17th place was Kevin Magnussen. And uh, the last three drivers did not finish the race. That was Logan Sargent, Esteban Ocon, and Pierre Gasly. Now, I hope you enjoyed uh, listening to my review of a just concluded hungarian grand prix i will see you next time when we go racing which i believe will be next week because next week i think it will be next week from the 28th to the 30th of july we'll be in belgium and then i think we'll take like a month long break and we'll go racing in the netherlands thereafter then italy singapore japan qatar the u.s mexico brazil the u.s again this time that will be las vegas before we finish it off in abu dhabi thank you so much for listening in i will see you next time but uh, before we go, if you'd love to be in touch, please do not hesitate. You can find me on my motorsports website, www.zhumura.com. That is spelled as Z-E-E-H-U-M-U-R-A dot com. Or you can find me on Instagram as at humura underscore Ruth. That is spelled as H-U-M-U-R-A underscore Ruth. Or on Twitter as at humura Ruth. Thank you so much for listening in. I'll see you next time when we go racing at Spa.